This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by CBT Nuggets. This week, I chat with Daniel Kim about making serverless accessible with BitProject. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 98. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Daly, and this is Serverless Chats. Today, I'm chatting with Daniel Kim. Hey, Daniel, thanks for joining me. Hi, Jeremy. How's it going? It's glad going really <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. So you are a senior developer relations engineer at New Relic, but you're also the founder of BitProject. So I would love it if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and what uh, BitProject is all about. That sounds great, Jeremy. My name is Daniel. Um, I'm a senior developer relations engineer at New Relic, which means I get to help the community and uh, go find developers and help them become better developers. And I got into developer relations because I founded a school club, and now it's a nonprofit, but it started as a school club, called BitProject, where me and my friends gathered together to teach each other awesome web technologies. And yeah, that's kind of how I got my start. And I'm still running BitProject as a nonprofit to help students around the world build and ship projects using awesome technologies and help them learn and become better developers. Right. And one of those awesome technologies is serverless. Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about today, because this is a really great uh program that you're running here that helps make serverless more accessible to more people, um, which is like what I'm all about, right? So I absolutely exactly. love this. Um, so so let's go back and talk a little bit about BitProject and just sort of get into, um, you know, sort of how it got started. You mentioned it was sort of like a, a project you were doing, you know, with some college friends, but, you know, how did it go from that to what it is now? Yeah, so I started this, I think, late freshman year when I was still in school at UC Davis. Um, I was not a computer science major, actually. I was an electrical engineering major. But as I got into technology and seeing all the possibilities of things you can build with cool tech, I was like, I really need to get into like web development because this is so awesome. I can like make changes on the fly. I can see awesome things. I can build awesome things with my hands. Well, with my computer. Um, so yeah, um, I got a couple of friends together because I'm a very social person. So I like to build and learn things together with my friends. So I got a couple of them together. We rented a lecture hall and then we just like taught each other everything we knew to each other. Like, for example, I was super into Gatsby and React. So I was teaching mm -hmm. myself, uh, my friends React. Other friends were super into backend development. So they were teaching me things like how to like design APIs and how to connect a front end to a back end, like really awesome things to each other. And it kind of started like that until I decided to kind of scale the program so I could help more and more of my fellow students. So instead of doing four person meetups, I would organize a workshop and those workshops turned into sponsored workshops with like funding, which meant a lot of free food, which meant more people and it just right. ballooned into this awesome student organization where we always had the best food. Like we had free boba, free pizza, and we would share with each other all these awesome technologies and tools that we learned like how to work with using um, in our projects. So that's kind of how it started. Right. And then so once you, you know, you kind of got this thing rolling, obviously you're mm -hmm. seeing some success with it. Then you end up becoming a develop. you get into developer relations. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, that's kind of when I understood what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. I didn't want to be that like production engineer, like on call all the time. I want to be that engineer that helped other engineers become more successful mm. and find the joy in programming. I love seeing when developers find that aha moment when they're learning something new and help them become better developers. And I found that out when I was teaching my friends how to program because I got more joy out of seeing other people succeed than me succeeding myself. So I was like, developer relations is the path for me. So that's kind of why I directly entered developer relations right out of college because I was like, this is what I'm meant to do. Because one of my favorite things to do is figure out how to break down really complex ideas mm -hmm. and concepts into more fun, easy to understand kind of chunks so everyone can succeed and have a good time. That's kind of yeah. my thing. No, I love that. I love that because I, I, I feel like um, especially who are people who are maybe not traditional tech people uh, mm -hmm. or don't have a traditional tech background, sometimes it just takes like a little bit of twisting of the presentation for them to to really understand that. And I, I love I love that idea of just reaching out and trying to help more people because I'm uh, I'm like on the total same page with you here. So um, so now you you go and, and you, you so you get into developer relations and you've got this bit project thing. And so, um, you know, is this something that you you know, you wanted to keep as a side project or what what like what was the next evolution of that? Yeah, definitely. So I think Bit Project is an extension to the advocacy work I do at New Relic. Because at New Relic, my job is not to push New Relic the product. We have amazing product marketing managers and other folks who do that. My job is to make it easy for people to like level up the community, like the people in the community to level up as developers and help the community. And one way I do that is by uh, is through Bit Project. So a lot of the work I do uh, at New Relic kind of mirrors or is kind of parallel to the work I'm doing at Bit Project, where I help make complex ideas more accessible to developers. So in a way, I, it's not more of a side project. It's like a parallel project of what I'm doing mm. at New Relic, what I'm doing at Bit Project. Right. And so in terms of the things that you're teaching at Bit Project too, because that's, mm -hmm. that's the other thing too, like I think leveling up developers is one of those things where, I mean, if somebody wants to go learn HTML or CSS or one of those things, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. there's probably plenty of resources for them, um, you know, to, to, to go and do that. There's probably 9 million, um, you know, YouTube uh, <laughs> tutorials out there. But Definitely. for concepts like serverless, right? And I mean, mm -hmm. even serverless with Azure and, you know, and AWS and some of these other things, these are newer things. And I, I've, I've actually interviewed quite a few um, candidates for a recent position that I uh, that I'm trying to fill and not a lot of them are learning this stuff in college definitely something that we really wanted to instill to our students was that this is not your average like boot camp or course we're not gonna we're not promising any six-figure salary after our boot camps that's not what we're promising what we're mm -hmm. promising is the opportunity to learn a concept that is foreign to many developers, even seasoned developers, because it's a relatively new technology. And we teach you the tools we give you and kind of teach you the ways to become successful. So we won't teach you like everything you need to know, but we will teach you how to find the things you need to know to become successful developers. So we help establish a good foundation for developers to learn new things and then build things on their own. All right. And That's this kind is of the focus of our program. Yeah. And this is completely free, right? It's completely free. We're um, run thanks to the generosity of our corporate sponsors. Um, so shout out to them. Um, yeah, so it's completely free for all students. So please go and apply if you're interested in your student. <laughs> So, so one of the major things that you focus on, and I know, um, mm -hmm. you know, that you do some, 
you have like different courses or different sort of workshops mm-hmm. that that you're you know that you're going through. Um, and I know some of the other ones are a little bit earlier, like the DevOps one. But you have um, a pretty robust sort of serverless. I mean, that's sort of the main thing, right? Teaching mm-hmm. build, people to build serverless applications um, on Microsoft Azure. So I'm curious, you know, especially having somebody um, jump in from maybe a non-traditional tech background or no tech background at all, um, and also students of all ages, right? We're not just talking mm-hmm. about you know high school or or uh, or uh, college kids here um, that you know jumping into something like serverless. Like what what makes serverless such a good sort of like uh, I guess jumping in point for for the types of candidates that you're looking for? Yeah, this is actually a great question because I have this conversation a lot with my colleagues at New Relic because when um, and seasoned engineers hear about um, serverless, they kind of jump straight into like the, how is this scalable for my enterprise use case? Like, how is this going to integrate with my 70,000 other microservices? You know, like they get into those questions immediately. But if you really boil down what serverless is, it's basically running code without thinking about infrastructure. That's like kind of the crux of what serverless is. And if you think about it from that perspective and not worry about all the other kind of technical hurdles into implementing it in scale, um, it becomes a lot easier to digest for students and becomes a really friendly medium to get started with like coding a project because you just have to code a small like JavaScript or Python function that you just deploy to the cloud. It just magically works. We try not to overwhelm students with all the infrastructure mm. talk and kind of more focus on the code that they're writing. Um, and I was really inspired because one of my mentors um, for my career is Chloe Condon from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember her... Um, writing a lot of blogs around getting started with serverless. Like she built this like fake boyfriend app with a Twilio and serverless. And I was like, Hey, this is not that unapproachable for students to get started with as like uh, uh, with serverless functions, because it was only like maybe 40, 50 lines of code. It mm-hmm. integrated multiple APIs. So I was like, this is the perfect medium because um, it's relatively simple to understand the idea of just writing code and deploying it to a magical kingdom where the magical <laughs> kingdom kind of controls everything, you know? So that's right. kind of like my inspiration for server- using serverless as a medium to teach people how the modern, like, modern full stack app works, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I use this uh, quite a bit where I tell people when I when I was a kid, when I first mm-hmm. started programming in the late 1990s, um, everything was like CGI bins, right? So we were just mm-hmm. uploading code in, you know, using FTP, but it was it was seriously magical. Now, again, it wouldn't scale, right? But it was mm-hmm. magical in terms of how that happened. But even if it didn't scale, that the the point where you can get to that sort of uh, what do we call it? like the aha moment, right? Where you mm-hmm. sort of like, oh, this is how that works, or like, oh, I get it now. Um, like, I think you just get there faster with serverless. Exactly. I think that's one of the reasons I love serverless is that we teach students. We have students spin up a serverless function day one of the camp. We don't wait to like uh, till day three or day four to teach them how to like build with serverless. We're like, hey, this is the environment that you're going to work in. And then we have them kind of like write their own serverless functions uh, based on like a boilerplate code that we have written already. So we try to make the barrier to entry as low as possible. So students mm-hmm. don't get intimidated by the word serverless. All right. Right. Yeah. And I think also it's probably a good place to get people started thinking about like just what the cloud is and sort of how the cloud works in general. Yeah, definitely. Some of our students have never even heard of what an API is. Mm. So we really take students from zero to kind of understanding how different services work on the internet and how we can kind of take advantage of services and other code that other people have written 
to write our own applications. Because a lot of students, especially junior developers, don't realize how little you have to code to right. actually get an app working, you know, because <laughs> most likely there's someone in the world who has coded something that you're looking for to implement already. So it's more like a jigsaw puzzle than trying to like build something yourself. Right. That's that whole Lego concept, just sort of exactly. sticking those building blocks together. Um, so you mentioned, though, some of your students don't, um, you know, they, they've never even heard of an API or they don't know what an mm -hmm. API is. So I'm just thinking from the, you know, from the perspective of an absolute beginner, like mm -hmm. how do you how do you scope a project um, for an absolute beginner to get them to somewhere where they actually have something that gets them to that aha moment, makes them feel like, hey, I've actually done something interesting here, um, but not overwhelm them with things like open API spec 3.0, you know what I mean? Like all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Yeah, I think one of the most important things when you're like designing a curriculum is understanding the pain points of the student. So as this curriculum was designed by a bunch of students, like I'm not the only one that wrote this curriculum. This curriculum had a lot of contributors uh, from all over the world who are high school and college students. We kind of knew that we didn't want to go too in depth from the beginning because we have a lot of students from non-traditional backgrounds that don't have a lot of previous knowledge. So what we try to do is set up guide rails and have boilerplates and things like that to ensure that they're successful. Because the worst thing you can do when you're working with a junior developer is just overwhelm them with information and have really, really hard assignments that kind of lead to frustration. So we try to make that, uh, that path really, really easy. But instead, what we try to do is have stretch goals or have like extracurricular like assignments where they can kind of apply what they have learned. So if they're a little bit more advanced and they're kind of getting the concepts and they're understanding at a deeper level how things work they're able to kind of practice and hone those skills so what we do is we uh, try to work with our mentors our fabulous mentors who are in, in, uh, engineers in the industry to help students like uh, code those stretch goals and mm -hmm. help them understand at a deeper, deeper level if they have the capacity to do so so we try to customize the experience for every student based on their previous experience Right. And I think another important thing is setting expectations with the students as well. I mean, you mm -hmm. mentioned earlier that, you know, this isn't a boot camp that you, you know, you guarantee, you're guaranteeing $100,000 salaries when you walk out. And I, and I think that that is, that is something to me where I think that level of honesty and truth is really important because I think there are a lot of these eight to 12 week boot camps that overpromise. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know, um, uh, I mean, I've been doing this for 24 years. So, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm not, an, I don't feel like I'm an expert in anything and I've been doing it for a very long time. Um, so, so eight weeks uh, doesn't get you to be an expert in anything. But if you can become productive, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, our goal is not, to get you a six-figure job because that would be nice but i feel like that's straight up lying because right. i don't know all the students before they start like personally and i i can't promise them a six-figure job that's just like ridiculous to me but what i can promise is that you will ship an app that's what i can promise mm -hmm. and i feel like when you're shipping an app and you're writing code to like build an actual app that will work um you learn so much you learn like how to how to how to plan for a software project how to ask questions like how to look for things on google so that's kind of the things we promise is the experiences not necessarily the shiny six-figure salary even though i wish i could promise that that would be amazing right yeah and i think probably the the greatest skill you can teach anyone as a developer is how to google and how to use stack overflow definitely 
Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor, CBT Nuggets. We all know the pace of technology innovation is incredibly fast, and IT professionals and developers like me have to constantly be learning new skills and new services just to keep up with the latest trends. Now, I love to get a quick overview of something in a blog post or a YouTube tutorial, but if I really want to upskill, nothing compares to professional training from experts you can trust. With CBT Nuggets, I have access to over 400 courses and 4,000 hours of training. Everything from building serverless apps with Lambda and DynamoDB to certification-focused training for AWS, Microsoft, Linux, and more. Plus, virtual labs let you practice new skills to help you retain what you learn. With a completely in-house training team, they add 40 hours of content every week. Plus, they have accountability coaching that lets you talk to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to keep you accountable. It's such a valuable service because finishing a course isn't just personally rewarding, it also ensures you've learned those extra little nuances that'll set you up for success. CBT Nuggets has a free learner offer for Serverless Chats listeners. Sign up with a Google account and watch parts of their most popular courses completely free, and everyone who signs up will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a six-month premium subscription. Start training right away by visiting cbtnuggets.com slash serverless. All right, so you mentioned something about customizing, like sort of like trying to to make sure that, uh, you know, that the the curriculum is sort of adapted for the particular student. So tell me a little bit more about that because that sounds really interesting. Yeah, so um, one of the reasons that I find our um, content and uh, curriculum really special is that it's open-ended. It's not like they're programming exactly what every other student programs. So for the first four weeks, we teach how serverless functions work, how to set up your development environment, everything through pair programming. So students, instead of having lectures, we have senior engineers um, actually pair program with junior developers and younger students or like students with less experience. So they can like ask questions in the chat to like um, learn as they are doing it, like with, with the mentor. Um, and during the last four weeks, we actually have the students like apply the things they have learned in the first four weeks through pair programming um, into their own applications. So we teach them, hey, by week one, you should have this part of your project done. Week two, you should have this part of your project done. But we don't really specify exactly what their product should be. So mm -hmm. at the end of the camp, every single student has a different project they have built based on the interest they have, which has right. been really awesome to see. Right. Well, that's also great too. It's uh, it's one of those things where, like, you know, when your English teacher forces you to read Romeo and Juliet and you're not interested in Shakespeare, <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, it's it's really hard to excel in that sometimes. So letting people sort of pick and choose, you know, where they go, um, I think is uh, again is just a really good motivator and an excellent way. Uh, and again, just not over promising, like just teaching people some of the basics, and then then you have something to work on, something to iterate on, something to go a little bit deeper on, and start understanding. You know, like if you just know that there are headers when you call an, H, uh, an, an API, um, then you yeah. can maybe start doing some research as to what the other headers are and what I can do with those. And I think that level of curiosity would be, um, um, you know, would be really great for somebody. And, and again, would sort of excite them and, and get them going down that path. Definitely. And I think the best way that students learn is actually trying to implement the things they have in their head. Because mm. some of these projects that students have built for their capstone projects have been very, very complicated using serverless functions like this mm. one of the students actually built a dropbox clone using serverless oh, wow. functions and it was actually amazing i couldn't do that honestly but <laughs> she built it in three weeks i think so uh, i think it's the creativity that really really 
I find impressive and amazing. Every like cohort we have is the variance in projects that we have for every single student. Right. Yeah. So what are some of those projects? Because I think that'd be really interesting. Just, um, you know, give some examples of the sort of things you can build, right? Because the Hello World tutorials are out there. People can go and probably cobble something together. Um, but it sounds to me like the students that you have are building something that is actually, you know, maybe not production ready, but it is yeah. something that solves, it solves a real problem. And it's, it's, it's a real solution. It's a real solution to that. So what are some of those uh, different projects? Definitely. One of our students, um, Bo, built a IoT heart rate monitor mm. um, that connected to a serverless function. So every time that um, the heartbeat went over a certain number, it would get it would send a Twilio text message to like the family members of whoever was subscribed mm. to that particular heartbeat monitor. And he built that because his grandfather was suffering with uh, some heart uh, heart issues, and it was really important to his family that they knew that he was doing okay, and they got alerted every time. The heartbeat, uh, his heartbeat got too too fast. So he actually built this whole thing using like a Raspberry Pi. He had a heartbeat like sensor that mm -hmm. was attached to a bracelet, and it actually connected to a serverless function. And he demoed it, and he actually did jumping jacks to get yeah. his like heart rate up. It actually worked, which was super awesome. That's we amazing. got to demo it during our demo day. Um, another student um, built a face mask detector. So uh, sh uh, she would have someone take a picture on on her website of like someone wearing a face mask, and it would tell using uh, some cognitive uh, APIs if someone was wearing a mask or not. Mm. And she designed that because um, she knew a lot of local businesses uh, who didn't have like staff like directly in the entrance of the business. And yep. they, she wanted to make sure there was a solution where someone could like the owners could make sure someone was wearing a mask before they entered the establishment. So like that was a really cool project. Yeah. Uh, there was like another uh, student who was actually a uh, in his 40s who was a mining engineer who wanted to make a career change. So he actually built this awesome serverless function that uh, sent out earthquake notifications uh, based on like uh, the, the data from the government, which is really, mm -hmm. really awesome as well. So there's so many projects that students have built with serverless functions, ranging everything from IoT to like big data and so many um, things that I've learned actually by watching all these projects being built. Yeah, that's amazing. And actually, I, I think that something that's really interesting, you mentioned uh, the gentleman with the career change, is that is developers, I think, especially career developers, I mean, we get mm -hmm. sort of narrowly focused on solving software problems, right? And we maybe exactly. don't think so much about some of these other real world problems that that sort of exist. So that idea of taking your existing life experiences and, you know, sort of problems that you've been dealing with and have a solution maybe in your head, but you can't you can't express that. That's really frustrating, right? So being able to do something like this and being able to express that, I think that's absolutely amazing. Definitely. And I think this is one of the reasons why I find this program really rewarding for both students mm. and the people who actually run the program, because right. they see folks who have zero experience getting to the point where they can build the things that are in their head, which I think is magical. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, also, you I, I think you said there's some case studies. Um, there's some other case studies on the blog. Yeah, so if you go to bitproject.org and go to the blog, um, we have a bunch of case studies that are still being uploaded. Um, so every week we're going to have new like student projects that are going to be uploaded there. So if you want to see some of the cool stuff that our students have built, feel free to go check it out. Awesome. Um, all right. So you you just mentioned that 
this is a really rewarding thing. And I know for me, I, I do a lot of open source projects. Um, I try to help as many people as I, I can. I, I don't run a, um, a nonprofit that runs courses, um, maybe, maybe someday. Um, but but I, I do get exactly what you're saying, because it is great to sort of get that feedback, to see someone um, be successful because you've helped you know, sort of enable that. So, um, so I know you're looking for mentors, right? Yeah, definitely. We're looking for mentors who have previous experience or passion with serverless uh, to mentor our students to get them to that point where they can build their own apps. So we'd love to have you if you are interested and have a couple of hours per week to spare. All right. And that's and what's and so what's the what's sort of the um, the requirement or the, the, the time commitment? Just a few hours, just a few hours a week? We recommend four to five hours a week um, to just work directly one on one with the student. Um, and previous experience in serverless or just regular full stack development is quite encouraged because we want to make sure that you are able to answer some of the technical questions that students might have around the content. All right. And you mentioned that, again, just going back to the, the mining um, uh, uh -huh. example, but it uh, sounds like that gentleman was a little bit older. Um, so what's the age range of the, of the students that you, you have in this program? We don't have a minimum or maximum age that we accept. We just care about passion and like the willingness to complete the program because the program is completely free. Um, the, the standard that we set for our applicants is not of experience, but more of passion and desire to learn and become a successful program, a uh, successful developer. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so what about, um, you know, for for mentors or people who are looking to do this? Like, uh, again, I know it's rewarding to work with people and to, mm -hmm. and to help people. You know, it's rewarding. What can you tell people, though, that, uh, you know, that might be interested in this? Like, what are what are some of the other sort of, you know, benefits, I guess, of, of being a mentor? Yeah, uh, some of the really cool benefits I've seen is that we've been working directly with the Azure Functions team at Microsoft um, to uh, mentor our students because they are using Azure Functions as the platform to host their serverless functions. And we've actually had PMs that are building Azure Functions work with our students to get new ideas for mm. product features, as well as engineers getting direct feedback on the features they worked on like only a couple weeks prior, which I think is quite magical because I've, I've right. seen these uh, older PMs who are like uh, building that product that students are using and the students are very blunt, let me tell you. So they're like, <laughs> this feature makes no sense. So a couple weeks later, it's magically fixed for some reason. I don't know right. how that could have happened, but <laughs> yeah, things no, get well. resolved quite quickly when the student feedback comes in. Yeah, and also the other thing is, is that again, it's feedback that's sort of like, uh, I, I guess untainted from you know the experience of being a developer, right? So it's sort <laughs> of that like it's like that childhood honesty that is just like <laughs> is what probably every product management team needs um, to sort of to figure that stuff out. So um, all right, well, so what, where are you going with this? Like, what what do you hope to do with uh, you know with Bit Project? And is this something you want to grow? You want to add more courses? Um, like, what what's the future? Definitely. That's a great question. So as I work for New Relic, uh, we are uh, pivoting uh, to create more content and more courses and more interactive learning materials and experiences in the DevOps field. So right now mm -hmm. we're creating content around observability, around like uh, container orchestration, things like that, that are more niche skills that students could learn to kind of better their chances of getting a job as a site reliability engineer or a DevOps engineer. Um, but most importantly, right now, what we're trying to do is make sure that we're ready to scale um, 
uh, as soon as possible because we feel like we have something really special here where we're teaching students how to ship apps not to learn specific concepts like html or css mm -hmm. i think we have a really unique kind of model here of how we're teaching students and how we're working with industry leveraging like cloud advocates and engineers who want to volunteer their special specialized skill uh, to better the community so right now um the, i see the future as us helping and uh, helping make and uh, lead more engineers of the future so we can have better better services and better internet hopefully right um in a couple of years or a couple oh, of decades it's a very noble goal. Um, and so what about data science? I know there's a thing on the site about data science, and I think you're doing some work with universities around that, right? Yeah, definitely. So we have a program called Abit University, where we create um, these really easy to integrate data science courses for humanities classrooms, because there's a huge demand right now for humanities students to get data science experience, to get research opportunities as well as job opportunities. But a lot of them actually don't have access to data science courses because they're a humanities major, mm. uh, especially at smaller schools. So what we do is we partner with universities like Cal State Fullerton and like uh, uh, Sacramento State University um, to provide data science courses specifically tailored for humanities majors at these schools partnering with professors um so yeah that's kind of like the program and it's been super successful and we've had so many uh humanities students learn the basic skills they need to get these internships and these like research opportunities which has been really rewarding yeah that's awesome so daniel is there anything else you want to tell the listeners about uh, bit project Definitely. Yeah. So if you or your company want to help us make more technical content, like let's say you uh, work in DevOps or you even work in serverless functions that you want to kind of extend the work we're doing, especially if you're an advocate, please reach out to me. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on um, email. Um, so please reach out to me to work together on more technical content because my job is to make things more accessible. So if you want to like make anything, whether it's like your area of expertise or something you think could be more accessible, I'd love to work with you to make sure that happens. And that is a free resource that's available to the community. That's kind oh, that's of my awesome. plug. Reach out. That's to awesome. Me. No, I, I love it. And I, I, Daniel, I appreciate one, you being here and sharing this with everybody, but also the work that you're doing with the community um, is just amazing. The more people we can get into serverless and the more people we can, uh, you know, sort of get to understand the this next generation of, I don't know, applications, I guess you want to call it, um, you know, is, uh, is, is absolutely uh, a, a very, very noble goal. So um, you mentioned Twitter. So uh, it's just learn W Daniel, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um, and then also the bit project has a Twitter, uh, just bit PRJ. Um, mm -hmm. And then if you're interested in volunteering, uh, volunteering, you go to bitproject.org slash volunteer and students, if students want to sign up, how do they do that? They just go to bitproject.org. Yeah, you can uh, go directly to apply.bitproject.org, or if you want more information about the program, just go to BitProject. There's a huge banner at the top that will lead you directly to the website. Awesome. All right. Well, I will make sure I get all that into the show notes. Thanks again, Daniel. Thank you. And that's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Daniel Kim for being my guest this week and to our sponsor, CBT Nuggets. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 98. For more serverless chats, subscribe, sign up to be an insider, check us out on YouTube and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. 
You can connect with me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you want to keep up to date on everything serverless, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.